As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You'll be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do the little extra things to get it. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? You want to know something great about that, Jordan? <laughs> one, of, one of our good friends on Twitter, Kyle Decker, he sent a uh, comment the other day that said the first time he heard you do that, he didn't know it was a bit, and he thought that that was my intro, and I missed my cue. So not only, not like, I know I'm not a great broadcaster, but, you know, like, people actually thought, like, hey, Rich, you're supposed to talk now, and, and I didn't. Um, but I love that. And I know everybody does too. I love, I love all of the idiosyncrasies people have picked up on (laughs) all the, all the little quirks that that we, uh, that we do. Um, Jordan, how are you? I'm in Houston still as it it turns out. Uh, and in one of these very, very, very rare instances, a travel snafu ends up benefiting you. Because you're actually still on ground on Earth when the big trade happens today. Von Miller is a Los Angeles Ram as of Monday afternoon. Big trade 2022 second round pick, 2022 third round pick. If you need less need in April on the first day of the draft, he'll be in Cabo. Maybe celebrating a Super Bowl after this trade. Jordan, what do we need to know? about this big move oh my well a couple of things uh that have since come to light since the initial news broke and uh i'm hoping that none of you start rooting for all of my flights to be canceled um because that would then sort of universally karma karma uh influence whether or not these things happen is sort of like the reverse situation of being on a flight when something like this happens. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm an optimist, right? So it's, it's, it's all good. Um, so a couple things to know about this, and you can find all of this illustrated in my column, which I just filed before we jumped on here. 
um, over at The Athletic uh, about this entire situation and some of the nuances in it, which are really important. And I, I, I want to make sure we get to those. But overall, the Rams have been very into Von Miller for a long time. And they could never make it happen, not only because, first of all, the Broncos thought that they would be a contender and initially look like one this year when they opened the season. Now their season has gone off the rails and they need to start stockpiling for the future. So what better way to do that than acquire draft capital, as we know? Well, the Rams could never afford Von Miller. They certainly, they still, by the way, I'm going to hammer this point home a couple of times. They still can't afford Von Miller. Um, and, and those moves that they made earlier this week sort of existed in a vacuum to create other types of flexibility. And, and again, part of the nuance we'll get to later, they still can't afford, afford Von Miller. So the way that this works is to come up with sort of a win-win situation where the Broncos are paying out the remainder, uh, remaining balance of Von Miller's salary for 2021. And then he's a free agent. Um, that's about $9 million the Rams are not paying. And again, they only had about five million in cap room um, to begin with, so they, there was no way they could have afforded Von Miller, a player who they've had sort of their eye on for a little some time now, um, unless this situation unfolded the way it did, which is the Broncos needed more draft capital. Talks had already been opened with them as far back as Micah Kaiser. Um, that Micah Kaiser pickup off of the practice squad in terms of assessing needs and assessing each other and where each other was at and, and having that line of dialogue about just what the possibilities were. Then you saw it with Kenny Young. The Broncos got Kenny Young last week. Um, and then now the Rams have, have sort of capitalized off, um, the Broncos being in a situation where they need to have that capital at second and third round picks in 2022. And then the, the Rams win is obviously they get Von Miller, a player they think has, you know, is as prolific as ever, um, even at 32. And a player who hope he, they hope can help them contain some of the dangerous quarterbacks that they're going to be coming up against as they believe they will be making a Super Bowl run. And they don't have to pay him. Uh, the Broncos are doing that for him. So that's ultimately why the pay, the pay in return, uh, the, the exchange was what it was. We've seen it. And I wrote about this. This is kind of the point of my column. It's like, becoming the new Rams sort of vintage move here. I'm not going to say modern throwbacks. That's, that's your, that's your beat, Rich. I won't cross <laughs> into your t- territory there, uniforms. Yes. Big but, one this week. But it's, 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 uh, it's similar to sweetening the pot to get Detroit to, you know, agree to this Jared Goff trade, um, to offload the salary, to make the salary more amenable. But this is just another creative way in which they're sort of, um, twisting the normal season and sort of messing with what the, the normal trade agreements would possibly be. So, and as we'll get to, when we talk about the nuance of this, Rich, they still held a card or two behind their backs as they did it. So um, initial reaction was just picturing the possibility of Vaughn Miller with Sebastian Joseph Day and Aaron Donald on the inside and Leonard Floyd on the other side. And I just and Jalen Ramsey just moving, spanning the entire middle of the field and the defensive backfield behind them. And I just thought, holy cow, the NFL let them do that. They let them get away with that. <laughs> just just amazing, Jordan. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to break down here. But yeah, I don't people thought, you know, the Kenny Young trade and like, well, see, this is why they made the Kenny Young trade. No. No, I mean, not exactly, you know, that's not quite the way that it, that it worked here. Uh, interesting to hear you, Jordan, say that it went all the way back 
uh, to the Micah Kaiser um, decision there, I, I had assumed, and I still think it's probably true that, you know, when Justin Hollins got hurt, that uh, I'm sure that the Rams perked up even a little bit more just looking at their depth um, on the outside. We've been talking about it. We talk about it almost every week, how they've been able to get through it. Leonard Floyd has been extraordinary. I mean, worth worth every dollar that they've uh, that they paid him. And Terrell Lewis has been one of those, you know, kind of knock on wood situations every week. You you hope that he's able to get through it. And they're obviously managing things with his with his knee. And, and they've done a good job. Terrell's done a good job. The production has been good there. But um, you, you worried a little bit about the depth, uh, really, with only Oboe there as a guy who uh, was a was a regular, was a I guess you could consider him a veteran at this point, as, as strange as that sounds, uh, still seems like a rookie to me. But uh, to, to add anybody to that group, I, I think would have been a good move. Not to mention Von Miller. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. I, I, I just, not even as a Rams fan, I am extraordinarily interested to see how that looks and, and how they line those guys up. And I saw one of the, one of the first reactions I saw on Twitter was from Aaron Donald. Uh, who usually doesn't express his emotions very often, but but clearly was very happy uh, to to have Von Miller in his in his locker room right now. So, um, Jordan, walk us through the um, kind of the ramifications here because Von Miller is going to be a, an unrestricted free agent um, and probably a big re- motivation for, for Denver trading him right now is not knowing what he's going to do uh, in the off season. What are the Rams thinking here in terms of is, is this just a half season plus hopefully a Super Bowl uh, a rental? Is it realistic to think that we could see Von Miller in LA past the season? And then obviously we talked about the draft picks, what's going out. Um, you, how does that, there, there could be a draft pick coming in, right? I mean, if Von Miller doesn't come back. Yeah, it's, it's just part of their team build too. I mean, this is what, when I reference sort of the cards they hold behind their backs, it's because it, it's a fail safe in, in their scenario. The fact that they have put so many resources into the identification of mid and late round draft picks, particularly compensatory picks, and that's become such a crucial part of their team build model. It's always now the card that they hold behind their back when they make big splash moves like this is if, if it's a short term thing, and he does help them get to where they want to go, which is what they, they are hoping he helps them get to a Super Bowl down the stretch. Again, specifically the gauntlet of quarterbacks they would be facing to do it include Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, um, a plethora of quarterbacks who can, aside from, even aside from those guys who can move the pocket, um, who can make things happen in extending plays in this way. Uh, no perimeter is safe. Um, no flat is safe. You can't just run to the opposite side of the field away from Leonard Floyd, um, who runs probably like 10 miles horizontally every game. Um, and, and, you know, the, the middle parts of the field aren't safe. The pocket certainly isn't safe. This was, this was the point is to enforce a mathematical advantage where you already have, uh, teams considering Aaron Donald as a minus two, meaning two guys need to counter him for every one snap you're already losing available players in that regard. Now you have Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, who you also have to account for. And one of those guys, there's not enough bodies on the offensive side to counter for those guys. And then also deal with Jalen Ramsey playing close to line of scrimmage and in your freaking face on every snap, right? So you just don't, that, that, that was just the point. But the cards that they hold behind their back here is that, you know, I was told this morning um, that he's somebody that if, 
he's healthy and he plays well for them, he is somebody who they absolutely would like to have around for a longer term than just the rest of this season. And I think that's a smart way to look at it, of course, pending those variables of health and circumstance and all of that. Um, he's somebody who they hope will sort of fall in love with living in Los Angeles, like a lot of these guys have who have come here. And he, they also hope that they get him, you know, with Reggie Scott, they hope that they get him with some of these guys in their building that um, they really have trust in for extending guys' careers. And they hope that he produces for them and wants to stick around. If he doesn't, though, they still get a high compensatory pick, um, which they turn into a role player around a core contract, which is what you know, I've written about so extensively over the last two years is how that factors into their ecosystem and their team build model. The Rams probably will turn that pick into two more picks, right? And they're already expecting, I'm also told internally, they're already expecting at least four when you, the maximum I think now is four uh, comp picks and they're, they're expecting four without with or without Vaughn Miller, they're expecting right. four. So they it's not like, no, they still don't have high round picks. No, they don't. But th- this also was congruent with their general team build. And, and again, I, I refer back to my column. That's what this is about. This has become who they are. This is congruent with the way that they do things and the math that they approach every situation with um, where the checks and balances are and how it fits into their overall ecosystem and their team build. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's such a, such a great point, Jordan. Everybody should read more um, in, in Jordan's column, which is now live on the athletic app and website. I'm just glancing at it right now, Jordan. I don't know whether you've seen this. I'm, I'm not trying to make you blush, but uh, the very first comment is from Steve B. And it, the comment is, you had to have known about this yesterday to write such a quality article. And uh, oh, first of oh, all, oh, Steve, my sweet summer yeah. child. <laughs> first of all, what a nice thing for Steve to say. But I can guarantee you that Jordan did not know about this yesterday uh, because I think her day would have would have been a little bit different uh, had she had. But I certainly agree <laughs> with Steve that uh, the quality of this article is uh, something that uh, most people cannot turn around in such a short period of time as Jordan did. So definitely uh, check that out as soon as you can, if you haven't already. But Jordan, it's such a great point. And I just, they they gave us a shout out. So I'll give one back to them. I I was on local radio 570 with with Fred Rogan and and Rodney Pete just a little bit ago. And we were having that discussion about how this isn't just something that Les Snead and Kevin Demoff and those guys woke up at the start of the week and said, hey, you know what? We're going to make a big trade today. I mean, this is clearly when you go back to uh, 2017, I mean, the hiring of Sean McVay, knowing that you were going to build SoFi Stadium, knowing that a Super Bowl was going to be here a year later than you thought, but nonetheless arriving. Uh, this is all part of, of the mindset that, that goes into it. And you hear the phrase, and Jordan, I want to go, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, because there's a phrase that you hear called all in, right? And we throw it around a lot, media, fans, whoever. The Rams are all in, they're all in. And that can mean like a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think most com- probably most common is people think, oh, they're they're mortgaging the future for this year. That's what it means. They're, they are they are putting all their chips into this year and they don't care what happens four years from now. And I personally, I reject that version of all in when it comes to the Rams, because I think it speaks to exactly what you're talking about, what you've written about for the last year. This is just how they operate. They are not they're not just being reckless and saying we're throwing everything all in uh, for right now and, and damn the future. I, I don't think that's true at all. 
do I sit here and think they look at themselves at seven and one, looking at the rest of the NFC, looking at the AFC, looking at the fact that the Super Bowl is at SoFi Stadium. And the, co- and and the quarterbacks they, they have to get, get through specifically. Right. Yeah. Do they look at all of that and say, yeah, that's, that's going to be the final impetus that we need to, to make a big move like this? Yeah, I think you say that. And, and I think it's fair to call that all in on this season. But I think there's a distinction between that and kind of this reckless, like, we're just going to trade all of our draft picks and we don't care what happens three years from now. I, I don't I don't get that sense. Like, am I is that, is that a distinction without a difference? Or I, I feel like there's a difference when it comes to the Rams. Yeah, I think when you have that phrase and when you see it, you think or bust at the end of it, like ah. Super Bowl or bust. Right. And, and I don't necessarily think that's the case as long as they continue to have the continuity that they've maintained, not just in terms of like overarching staff, you know, less need Tony Pastor's Demoff and, and McVay, um, but also the continuity now that they have at quarterback. I think that's going to be really important. Um, and, and I also think, you know, having continuity in stars such as, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, um, Leonard Floyd, guys like this, who Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, you know, to me that that signifies that um, you can still make something of if there's a failure, you can still make something of the following year or bust. When you when people say all in, it's almost like to me, and maybe it's just because all or nothing is like ruined everything for right. for us, but. But to me, it just always signifies like, um, you know, it, it, it just always sort of signifies like it's a, they have to blow everything up if they don't succeed where this, right. this team build model. And I hate to, I'm going to say the word ecosystem like 45 times in this podcast, but the ecosystem they have built is built to sustain even past, you know, it, it's built to sustain in, in the ways that we described in terms of what those comp picks turn into in terms of players and traits just as long as you do have those star players that you build around and you're also winning football games. And so when, when all of those things are working together in tandem, um, any one piece might sort of up, you know, wreck the ship a little bit, but um, if it, if one piece fails, but as long as you are having those things working in tandem, this model will continue to be sustainable. Um, You know, if you have, you know, catastrophic situations that are generally outliers in a season, um, head coach forgets how to coach football star, star player, you know, and I'm knocking on wood here, but star player has some sort of setback. Um, you know, you, you fail to hit on complementary traits and complementary players for, you know, two, three years in a row. Uh, those types of things obviously will, would derail this, but the Rams are counting that those things won't happen based on their decision-making based on the resources they put in, in identification of talent, the resources they put into coaching in terms of developing talent, and then also maintaining the ecosystem at a head coaching level. Um, to me, it's like, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, it means they didn't win the Super Bowl this year. Right. Right. Yeah. The only, the only thing I would maybe tack onto that is they, they put themselves in, in this, in this position. And the, the reason that this has worked I mean, people going back to 2019 and people, oh, the Rams are all in. This is it. Like, we don't want it this year. Oh boy, are they screwed? And here we are in 2021 and they're still, they're in a better position than they were two years ago. Um, and, and in talking to people like this, the one thing I say is like, 
it's the model is there. It's 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 just really hard to do it. Like, and and it's not going to get any easier for these guys. Uh, When you talk about not having first round picks, not having second round picks now for a couple of years, it doesn't make it impossible. It just means you have to be really good at what you do. You have to be able to find your Jordan Fuller in the sixth round or your uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, I think was a sixth rounder. Yeah. Uh, You have to be able to find David Edwards, a fifth rounder who's starting for you. Uh, You know, guys like that, even, you know, third and fourth round, you have to, your, your batting average on those guys can't be low. It it has to be pretty high. I'm not saying a hundred percent, but it, it has to be pretty high because if you're, it's just a numbers game. If you're not going to have those numbers, then you have to hit on a higher percentage of the ones that you do. Uh, get and you have to hit on those those guys you bring in. I mean, Leonard Floyd was a home run bringing him in the way that they did. Uh, guys like that, you know, undrafted free agents. You you have to be able to hit on a couple of those, and and that's really been. And Jordan, I don't need to tell you this because you've written about it and we've talked about it for you know more than a year now. That that's really when you talk about the success of the Rams. I mean, that's what keeps you going. Is you have to be able to hit on those moves. Uh, at a higher percentage than than other teams have, and and that's really what they've done here. But Jordan, so you know, people I, I, people are are not um, maybe don't understand, right? Because they're going to look at this like I even heard one person on the radio say, "Oh, all the Rams have next year now are fifth and seventh round picks. That's all they have." But that's that's not true, right? I mean, you you talked about it a little bit here, but but they could be in a position to have a lot more picks than that, right? Here's how it's put to me: they could pick nine times this spring. Wow. Like, holy crap. You know, like, I mean, and this year you're seeing, I mean, I think dividends for this year's class, minus maybe a couple who we're maybe not going to dwell on in this particular (laughs) podcast because we don't have the time, but (laughs) and like positive things are happening. Um, But, uh, you know, I think you'll see dividends of a lot of those guys start to pay off, if not late down the stretch this year, but certainly next year. Um, you know, especially some of the the guys who have showed sort of promise in certain areas this year, Ernest Jones coming sort of top of mind here. Um, I, I think like that's that's another reason why this model becomes sustainable. And I think is maybe mis- I I do not doubt like Rams fans. It's kind of fun being on the inside of Rams Twitter at times because. Rams fans, I think, really get the model. Like, I think they yep. really understand what's happening here. And it's also funny when you see that juxtaposed against maybe sometimes externally or nationally, like, what the hell are they doing? They just don't like picks or whatever. You know, Les, Les Snead, remember when we had him on this podcast, Rich, and he kind of was like, went on this like long, like a very, honestly, very Jordan-esque rant Uh he, and he was like genuinely hurt that people don't think he likes draft picks. He said, I love draft picks. I pick nine times a year. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's just that they, they believe they're going to be winning and they don't overvalue first round picks and they don't right. overvalue second round picks. And I think there's a case to be made there in terms of internally, you're going to have your own data set for when that value turns into either a neutral or a net negative. Um, and for the Rams, it's outside of the the zone where they believe they'll be winning football games well enough to be assigned those, those lower picks. So in that way, they feel like, you know, they're in a net positive if they're training for trip trading for quote unquote, like known entities and Von Miller 
and his body of work certainly is a quote unquote known entity. And so I think part of the sustainability that we talk about flipping back to, to Ernest and, and some of these younger players, the sustainability of the model comes from guys like that. Um, they're always going to try to build and, and rotate the solar system around these core players that were mentioned previously. By doing that, you, when you're in the draft, you don't have to identify a fourth round pick who miraculously does four things at a pro level. You only need to identify a fourth round pick who does one or two things at a pro level, but those things happen to complement an Aaron Donald. Those things happen to complement a Jordan Fuller, a Jalen Ramsey. They happen to complement the scheme that you're running and the system that you run. And because you're only looking for those two traits instead of the five, because you know you will not find the five unless you are dealing with an extreme outlier, um, you can focus and channel a larger amount um, you know, of resources into those two traits that you're looking for and therefore increase your probability of hitting on those traits and finding a guy instead of just, quote unquote, throwing darts, as, as is often said about the later rounds of the draft. So that increases sustainability when it's also matched with how these coaches can develop players. I think Sean McVay perennially has some of the more underrated assistant coaches, um, externally underrated assistant coaches on his staff. And they certainly are not league wide are not underrated because people are coming for those guys every single year. And part of it's because they can teach and they can develop. It's not just because they stood in a room with Sean McVay or like, you know, had coffee next to him. 10 feet away from him at one point, like it's because they can coach and, and teach and develop. And so when you match that with what they've put in to the resources that, the, that I just mentioned, um, you do have a sustainable model. And um, it, it's, it's fascinating to see how that conversation juxtaposes in, in various ways. But, um, but I do think that like this, this is a team that's built to win now and, Barring major, major setbacks, I do still think that it's a team that has potential to win in the future, even if they lose the big one now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. That, that that's a good point. I think they'd like to win this one. I mean, sure. everybody would like. That's the stupid thing to say. Yeah. But I guess what I mean is, uh, given, given all the external circumstances too. I mean, this being the first year with fans at SoFi, the Super Bowl being at SoFi, this being kind of the big comeback season. I think it would have a lot of meaning uh, throughout the front office. The players, the coaches, they'll take their rings anytime they can get them. But I, I think from a from a team standpoint or from a marketing standpoint, sort of thing. I mean, this this line, this is the dream scenario. Let's put it that way. Um, if you're the Rams, to be in a position to win this particular particular Super Bowl. Uh, but again, they, they'd be happy uh, to take to take anyone as, as any yeah, any team. Not uh, picky. Nobody. No, no. <laughs> put, put any put any year on the side of the rings. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't particularly matter. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But Jordan, here's here's my question to you. And I'm not, as, as much as I am known from this, I, I'm not trying to stir the pot here. This is a genuine question because I, I want to get your opinion on this. I don't think we're, we're shocked that Les Need made a trade, right? No. I mean, if you are, you haven't really been paying attention over the last couple of years. But was this trade for a uh, 32-year-old Von Miller outside pass rush threat, was that the trade to best fill a need for the Rams on this team, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, but but again, like, I went into the trade deadline thinking that, uh, now as it turns out, rather narrowly thinking <laughs> that they would have to operate within the parameters of their very limited cap space. I did uh, not have a concept that they would get the Broncos to pay Von Miller's salary, right? So right. for me, I ruled Von Miller out because I thought that, um, that, you know, there's not a way that you convince a team to pay that much of a salary, but then understanding that they threw in those picks while like not to overuse the metaphor, but while holding that card behind their back, like now I understand it, you know, the benefit of hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. But in, at the time, you know, the Rams, I thought they were going to be looking for maybe a little bit of running back help um, to help get them down the stretch. They still could make, they don't have much guys. Like I, they can't, they could not afford Von Miller. Just right. flat out. They're going to have less than 6 million. They're going to have actually around four and a half. And that's a ball, like very slight ballpark. They're going to have a, around four and a half million in space. And the other thing here is that if they can't find a trade partner for Deshaun Jackson, um, who they are very firmly ready to part ways with, if they can't find a trade partner for him um, and they end up cutting him on, on Tuesday, um, if another team, he's, he's then as a, as a veteran, even as a veteran, after the trade deadline, he's subjected to waivers. If a team does not claim him or they don't find a trade partner for him, um, then they're on the hook for the sort of the payout of the rest of his 2021 salary. Um, even though it's not like a dead money situation or anything like that, you're still, you know, you cut a player and you got to pay him. So, um, that's about 1.4 million. So, um, you know, they, I, I, I saw them maybe going after a reserve tight end, although Kendall Blanton has been showing up and I know we're not going to really spend a lot of time talking about ga- that game, but, Watch, go back and watch Kendall Blanton's blocking for Robert Woods on the reverse touchdown. Really impressive stuff. And I think someone to, to keep an eye on. Um, and, and I'll say it because I keep getting asked about it. Someone who is dangerously close to completely leap, leapfrogging fourth round pick Bryson Hopkins, um, who I think has been given a lot of time to develop, uh, and just, you know, and a lot of leniency, I think, including on this podcast by me seeing behind the scenes how hard he's he's sort of tried to put it together um but just hasn't so anyway that's another conversation for another time but i thought it would be maybe like a tight end some tight end help um i thought maybe a running back uh certainly did not think inside linebacker uh because they made it clear again please read the column uh they made it clear sort of again factoring into their team build what their their balances with that position in general and, and the sort of investment plan in that position and made it further clear when they traded Kenny Young. Um, but I didn't think it would be Von Miller for sure. And I think that 
I think that when I say it's not a need, it doesn't mean I don't think it's a very, very good move for them. I do think it's a good move for them. I just didn't think it was necessarily a, a need, understanding they will get Justin Hollins back down the stretch. Um, and then Oboe and Terrell Lewis have been playing well. But then you think about those guys that I just mentioned being in a pitch count rotation because of various injuries and load management. Um, Leonard Floyd is playing his butt off and I think putting together a really admirable season. But at the same time, I go back to that game that they had against Kyler Murray, where he was finding his, his spaces because he was finding the places where those guys weren't. And if you add Von Miller to that equation, it's a lot harder to find the spaces where guys aren't. And um, it, it goes back to presenting those mathematical advantages. If you make things harder in that regard, um, you can do more things on the back end and you can contain in different ways that it, it, it certainly alleviates some of the concern that you have at corner right now, some depth issues and some, you know, Robert Rochelle coming along in his rookie season. Um, it certainly alleviates some of the things that you're worried about at, at linebacker as Ernest Jones continues to develop. If you have a complimentary pass rush consistently, but not just, not just one that's producing, but also like kind of the idea of one. I mean, it just changes yeah. things when you have to prepare for guys in that way. It just changes things that you think you can do as an offense. So in that way, and especially, I think it's, it's so crucial to keep this front of mind when you look at the quarterbacks, the list of guys who they will have to get through in order to win a Super Bowl, it is an exhausting list <laughs> to look at. And, and they have one of those themselves in Matthew Stafford. But at right. the same time, it's, this was, I didn't necessarily think it was like traditionally a need, but I do think it, it was a good mood or excuse me, a good move. And one that, um, I do understand why they believe it will push them over the top and over the edge, no pun intended in, in getting where they need to be and in, in to getting to that promised land. Yeah. Uh, Jordan B I'm asking you this live, even though I should probably know the <laughs> answer. Justin Hollins. What, what is that situation there? He he's on IR. Uh, but is it, have we heard anything in a while about him? Is, is, it, is that still a possibility this season? You know what? I do think it's still a possibility this season. Um, I'll have to follow up with Sean McVay later. We yeah. talks later today on it. But last I heard, him coming back was still a possibility. Um, you won't get him though until probably like late December, um, right. early January, maybe. And, and so that's, that's where the sort of the concern comes in because it's like, are you willing to have that vast expanse of time, uh, happen where you're also basing things on sort of, um, unknown injury situations with two guys who have had history with injuries, um, yeah. and sort of have to be on that workload management. So, um, I think that that's, that's also maybe some of the motivation for it. And I also think that they're going to use Justin in a much more versatile way. Um, you so, sort of saw hints of it before he got hurt. Um, him moving into like that four eye rusher spot, him being a little bit more versatile, dropping a little bit. Um, I mean, it's, it's cool. The things that they might be able to do. Um, and, and, and it's all about just like Sean McVay builds these mathematical advantages on the offense. It's all about doing that on the defense as well. And I think that you are going to be able to do that, um, with success with a player like Vaughn Miller, not just because of what Vaughn can do and his versatility, but what he also unlocks, um, for players around him and, and even behind him. Yeah. It's going to be super interesting, Jordan, because I super, mean, he, he, super they, interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're holding these. Uh, kind of uh, wild cards 
you, you might call them. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Cam Akers, right, and, and whether he'd be able to come back for the for the playoffs. And then we're talking about Justin Hollins, and we're talking about uh, probably some of the Darius Williams, you know, like some of the some of the different people who could come back and and kind of fit into all of this. You you mentioned uh, Jacob Harris is a guy who could uh, he's been playing a lot on special teams, but maybe he can start to transition into getting a few more snaps uh, on that side uh, of the ball. Um, so there, there's some interesting things here down the down the road still with half of the season, more more than half of the season now in a 17 game season uh, where things can can start to uh, develop. And if some of those things go the Rams way and you pair that with bringing in Vaughn Miller, uh, then you can really see how this could could come together. You mentioned early on, Jordan, how how well the Rams have, have thought of him. And I know, I'm sure, uh, going back to Wade Phillips being around Sean McVay as much as he was for, for three years, I know how much Wade you know, loved Vaughn Miller. Um, so I'm sure he heard plenty of things uh, about that relationship and, and how that uh, was going to come together. But uh, yeah, Jordan, I, I think it makes sense now uh, because the stretch that they're entering to is, is now going to be they, they've got through these last you know few games here. Oh, Detroit, the Giants, the Texans, you know, it's almost like almost like preseason part two. Uh, but, but things are going to really ramp up here. And it just I mean devastating to hear that the Tennessee is having Derrick Henry suffering a, a major injury. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. I, 24 hours ago, I was looking at that game as being one that was like, wow, this is going to be a real good test uh, for the Rams. But they have these games coming up now. Green Bay is on the, on the short term uh, here. San Francisco always plays them well, even though San Francisco hasn't been doing very well. Um, these are going to be the games where you, you really start to find out about yourselves a little bit, right? And, and I think the Rams have put themselves in a position here where they can they can start to ramp up for, for the playoffs, and it could get pretty exciting. Yeah, I think um, I think this is the day where you you get out of bed and you think like if you're if I'm in their shoes, you get out of bed and you think this could happen. Yeah, um, I keep going back to what Sean McVay said a couple weeks ago as it pertained to Matthew Stafford and how they've opened up this offense. Um, he said he knew he was going to be good, but he didn't know how good he would really be. He didn't know he was going to be this good. Yeah. So once you find out what you have and you could tell, that's what I kept writing about all through training camp. Like you could tell they were putting those pieces together and troubleshooting and collaborating and doing all of those things and there were really gnarly, ugly days and there were really good, cool days and, and all of that. Um, but you could see those pieces start to stack up. And once you, once you realized the potential here, what, what the ceiling might be, even though you don't truly know what it is yet, but that's exciting in, in many ways. Once you realize that you could really maybe perhaps make this happen, you could really do this. Um, that's when they decided to kick down the door. And, and I think that that's, that's, you know, part of what the trade deadline should be used for and should exist for and its timing. Um, the way the Rams schedule lined up also very convenient in terms of for, uh, gathering themselves ahead of this stretch. Um, but that's truly what I feel happened here. Uh, to clarify an earlier point I made, like, uh, I'm not saying the Rams started talking to the Broncos after they poached Micah Kaiser off of the practice squad. I was just saying the com the conversation opened in terms of, oh, they might have some needs. They might like, they might start to be having an issue here and, and maybe need to start looking toward the future. Um, yeah. and, and 
you know, continuing those collaborations with Kenny Young and, and really assessing. And when these GMs and, and these guys talk to each other about these trades, they find out like what, what the status of, of other spots are too. And yeah. so, um, I think that when you, your boy, you're bubbling, you're bubbling, you're bubbling, and then you realize that you could really make this happen for yourself. Um, and for you, and, and you, this team could really, could really do something with this wind, this, uh, this, this space of time that they're in. Um, and, and I think that th- this is them saying uh, it's twofold actually. And I, I do want to say, I think that this is them saying we are kicking down the freaking door. Um, and I also think that the events of the last week in terms of Sean McVay, um, sort of agreeing and, um, uh, dealing with the situation that was deescalating with Deshaun Jackson, um, and how that was unfolding behind the scenes, uh, a player who he had history with, but deciding, um, you don't have time. You don't have time to, uh, to, to continue to sort of, um, you know, have negotiations about how many targets guys can have, which, which was widely reported, um, after week two and, and all of that. Um, and you have to, um, you have to, you have to just get those things out of your way. If you're, if you're this program and now you see completely, it's, it's almost like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's going to be the roster spot that Von Miller takes, right. you know, it's, it's like nothing is getting, it, it, this is me like putting on my best Rams voice, right? Like nothing, nothing is getting in our way at this point. And we won't, we won't be tripped up by these things that, could be, you know, distracting or could be a, a situation or an issue. Like we are, we're going full go and we're not letting things get in our way. And I think that that, the, these two, if you look at these two situations sort of in a vacuum, um, together in a vacuum, then you sort of see, um, kick the door down and roll over whatever's in your way. Yeah, certainly a sense of urgency there. And and I think that's a difference, not not panic. There's a difference between urgency and panic. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the Rams are panicked right now saying, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. But there's an urgency because there's, like you just said, there's there's an opportunity. You look, I, I don't think that, and this is totally, totally subjective. I don't look at the Rams right now and say, oh, they're clearly the, the class of the NFC. Um, they've obviously lost to a team in their division who has the same record as they do. So I don't think you can make that, that argument. But I think you can look around the conference and say, well, they, look, they've already beaten the Buccaneers. Uh, they're going to get a chance against the Packers. They're going to get another chance against the Cardinals. Uh, the, the Cowboys are doing well uh, out East. I mean, those are really the teams. Those are the teams that you're going to have to get through, uh, to get to the Super Bowl. Rams have already beaten one of them. They, they know their, they know the opponent. They know the beast when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals and they're going to get a chance against uh, the Packers. So it, everything is right there in front of them. There's nothing that makes you think, oh, this is impossible or, you know, things are really going to have to break the Rams way in order for this to, to work. Not really. Not really. They, everything that they need and, and everything that they have to do is really right in front of them. And and that's what I think that creates that sense of urgency is just that, OK, this is the time. And like you said, Jordan, we can't play around. We can't play around with this John Jackson. We can't play around with Tutu Atwell. We can't play around with whatever's going to happen mm-hmm. at quarterback. Like we've got to just we've got to be decisive and, and we've got to make some some decisions that maybe will hurt people's feelings. Maybe will hurt their egos a little bit in the short term, but you, you can't worry about that right now. And and that's really where 
uh, the Rams are, I think. And we're entering, entering that part of the schedule that I think will start to reveal um, some, some things about this team. But if you're a Rams fan, I think you've got to be psyched. And you've got to be real excited about, um, you know, what the future holds. Jordan, we said we weren't going to talk that the Texans game. I, I, I even put it out on Twitter. Like I did not watch live yesterday, uh, <laughs> Sunday. I was out. I was keeping track of all your great tweets and, and everybody else's. Look, the game was what it was. They, they blew out the Texans in the first half. They did what they needed to do. One thing I want to ask you about though, Jordan, mm-hmm. what did you, and I, again, I'm putting you on the spot here and I'm sorry. I hate doing this, especially because it's an oh. offensive lineman. Oh, that's, but, okay. But, oh, that's okay. What else what could, did, what else could happen to me over the next couple of no, 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 I mean, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Joe Noteboo, what, what did, did, did you pick up anything live and watching him or it was one of those situations where like the, the fact that we didn't notice him, was that a good thing? Or, you know, how did, how did you think he, he fared in, in uh, place of Andrew Whitworth there? Yeah, such a great compliment to Joe that we didn't really notice him or really kind of, we weren't really at times aware that he was even on the field. Um, and that's a very, very high compliment for an offensive lineman. Um, you know, this was his first game in live action since uh, last year, midseason. So I do think that obviously there's probably room for improvement. I'm sure they're, they're discussing those things. Um, it doesn't sound like Andrew Whitworth's going to miss significant time. So I don't think it's necessarily, um, something to, to, to panic about. Um, but I thought they're, when they ran the ball, I thought it was really solid. Um, when they passed the ball, his blocking was good. Um, his protection was good. Didn't seem like there were any communication issues. Um, and, and they, you know, they did a couple of different things. They, someone asked me, I thought it was a fair question. Someone asked me last week, do you think they'll be a little bit more conservative, especially, you know, in designing on that side and with the offense? And I was like, no, I think like a bunch of linemen pulled me aside at camp and said, go, you know, watch Joe Noteboom. Like he's really kind of, he was in Andrew Whitworth's garage that they call the dojo. He was there all spring. Um, and all summer and he was really trying to gain more power and really trying to get into his craft and, and studying and all these things. And those guys are really proud of him. Andrew Whitworth included. They're really, really proud of him and, and they really like the guy. And, um, I think Matthew likes him cause he just kind of goes about his business and, um, and they, they just, they, they didn't seem to be any lack of cohesiveness. They were, uh, Robert Woods's, uh, screen reverse, uh, excuse me, not screen reverse, fake, uh, fake pitch reverse. Um, that, that went to the left side. And I thought that was notable that they're running deeper things from the playbook to his side. Um, and and I thought he played well. So I think that's, that's someone to keep an eye on in terms of their future plans, kind of in no man's land right now. Um, but at the same time, somebody who the Rams developed in house and who they really, really like, and had gone through, through some adversity with injuries similar to Brian Allen. And I think two, two big decisions that maybe didn't seem so much, uh, didn't seem like so much of a, uh, a decision entering the year or maybe in the spring now become a pretty crucial decisions maybe for the, for the Rams to make. And, and Rich, I know, I know you didn't catch much of the game, but I, I did want to say, I, I do think that the Rams suspicious, I'm suspicious that they decided to reveal this trade, um, which I, I feel like at this point, I feel like came together maybe like yesterday at some point, um, or, or when it was announced that Von Miller was not going to be playing, uh, this weekend, maybe that's when things had been right. started to move. Um, I, I sort of feel like they just waited to drop it this morning because they, they thought they knew you were watching, catching up on the game and they just didn't want to hear any tweets about running the ball. 
you know what's fun? Like you, we, you joke about that, and you and I have not talked about it. I was watching the game this morning, and I got to the point of the of the game where in the first or second quarter, I think Daryl Henderson broke it off for like a fifteen yard run, and then I think they ran it like. I mean, they passed it like seven consecutive times or something. And the one of which was the fourth down play that was a turnover on downs. And I was like, my fingers were hovering over the keyboard. I'm like, do I do it? Do I really, do I really want to piss people off and like tweet about this the morning after? And then like 10 minutes later, the trade went down. I'm like, oh yeah, nobody's going to want to hear about my, my snarky crap anymore. Um, but, but, but I thanked them because it meant I didn't have to really pay very close attention to the second half of the game, which I don't think anybody to um so on to tennessee it is and what will be uh, i still think a pretty interesting game just devastate man i mean if you like football you like watching derrick henry play football that's just the best way to put it i think and and the fact that we're not going to be able to do that is uh saddening to me not only for him but for uh, for everybody but i still think it'll be an interesting game and uh, of course jordan will be there to cover it all throughout the week we're recording this on monday afternoon so uh, make sure you follow along with Jordan on Twitter all week because we haven't uh, yet heard from Sean McVay in his normal Monday uh, press conference. So Jordan, of course, uh, will have all the updates on injuries and things like that, how Von Miller is fitting in, whether or not he'll be able to play this Sunday. So make sure you're following Jordan at Jordan Rodriguez on Twitter. If you want to follow me at Rich underscore Hammond, the only thing I really offer are updates on the uniform standings, which apparently are pretty popular. And uh, we'll see where that goes. The modern throwbacks, your favorite phrase, Jordan, the modern throwbacks will be on the field on Sunday. New vintage. Most vintage. Yeah. Yeah. Up- upcycled. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We should come up with the alternative uh, words, alternative <laughs> phrases. For that. Um, but most importantly, Jordan, people need to follow along at The Athletic on the app, on the website. You are giving them amazing coverage all the time. And we thank those people who have been subscribers, who have been supporting us for a long time. But Jordan, if they haven't already subscribed, they can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel right now. They could go right now and get one of Jordan's favorite things in the entire world, along with your dog, Tucker, who's waiting for her back home. <laughs> and what is that, Jordan? A great discount. And I almost started crying when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bless his little bless his little heart. He has no idea what's happening. He's like, where the hell is she? Um, he, he, he cares not one single damn about Von Miller. Yeah. He just wants to know when, when you're coming back. Yes, but you can get my favorite thing in the entire world, which is a great discount. When you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you will always get a great discount. You guys, uh, we uh, apologies, by the way, for the sound. Um, Rich will probably share a photo out later of where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> and my sort of state of wellness. Um, but uh, we just so appreciate you guys. You know what? I was talking to Rich offline about this before. And um, I just, you guys have caught on to our idiosyncrasies in this podcast. And I cannot tell you how warm it makes me feel and how like sort of familial almost like we're all kind of in on the joke together um, to see you guys tweet these things at us, especially how much uh, fun you guys have with that long pause at the beginning of the podcast. Um, We just love you guys. Thanks for following along and we will catch you next week.